You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I'm very excited to have uh, Kimberly LaBerge and Corey Fitzsimmons, who are involved with a play, Things I Know to Be True. Uh, they, I'm reaching them in the wonderful state of uh, Wisconsin and talking them from the Pacific Northwest here in Oregon. Kimberly and Corey really wanted to welcome you to the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Ken. We're excited to be here. So excited to be here. So we start with a, a question at the beginning. Um, and, and, and Kimberly, uh, and I know uh, from, from your bio, uh, you're a teacher, stage manager, director, critic, and, and Corey actor teacher and director so we're 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 deep into um creating and in in creating on on the stage but i want to ask a question and uh we'll start with you uh kim kimberly first were you an artist when you were born i mean i think it's difficult to say i think that everyone has an artistic tendency in them for at birth, you know, you give a baby paint and a piece of paper or you give them music and they'll dance. Um, so I, I think to that extent, everyone has the potential to be an artist. But I was lucky in that I grew up in an environment that fostered artistry. My family really valued the arts. They took us to do artistic things from a young age. My dad and sister are musicians and my mom is a publisher and writer. And so in that way, I really grew up in the arts, which I think helped make me the artist I am today. So I was an artist when I was born in the way that all of us are, but I became an artist at a young age, thanks to a really incredible support system of other artists. Yeah. Thank, thanks. Thanks, Kimberly. I, I asked this question a lot and um, it really connects to what what happened when you're younger? Like, you know, was it cultivated or, or not? And uh, it's it's great to hear about that. Hey, uh, so Corey, uh, you're born. Are you ready for the stage right then? Were you an artist when you were born? I'm going to go ahead and say no. Um, I grew up in a small town and I there was not as much opportunity for artistry. And I, I didn't have a whole lot of like, I didn't go to plays a whole lot when I was younger. Um, so I think there, I wasn't so much born an artist, but there was a certain birth of the artist at, um, at a point in my life, um, around my college years when I realized that not only did I want to be a performer, but I wanted to be an artist and, um, and create and, um, really do something worthwhile um, with the ideas that I had. Yeah, Corey, do you, do you feel like you have a you know as you as you've gotten into a performance? Do you do you, do you feel like a certain need or a drive to to perform in the way that you do? Uh, I don't. I couldn't do anything else. I yeah. I've thought about it long and hard, fought the battle. I could not do anything else. Yeah, I would not. I would simply not exist. Sometimes, uh, sometimes as humans, I think having the answer provided for us can 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 help a bit. That's uh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, so, um, I wanted to chat about things I know to be true, and then that's kind of what. Uh, and and you're both working on that on that production, and. Um, I wanted you to to, to help uh, the audience understand or just connect to what what's 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 the project and um, you're in development now. Uh, what's going on with your uh, production? Oh, this is an incredible show that we are working on. Um, Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell is this stunning piece of family drama that follows two adult parents and their four adult children as each child returns home to confront something that's been affecting their life, something big. 
Um, and the story is told through these vignettes of intense family drama and then these elevated soliloquies with music underneath them and movement and choreography. And so as an audience, you get to experience both the, the realism and the surrealism. And it just, I, I think there's something in it to touch everybody because the stories come from LGBT identities and heartbreak and criminal activity and not knowing what to do with yourself when you find that love isn't what you thought it was. Um, and in the reflection of their children, you get this adult couple, the parents kind of reevaluating their relationship once their children no longer need them in the same way. And so because of this mix of dramatic stylings, this is a very intimidating show to be working on. It has so much that's inside of it. And we are really excited to be working on it. Ray, do you want to talk a little bit about like the process and where we're at? Oh yeah. Um, so we've auditioned our, our fine actors. We've um, secured spaces for rehearsal and performance. Um, we've tracked down all, all, all our crew, almost all our crew. And it's, it's chugging along. And really, I was thinking about this today. It could not be done without a, a brilliant community behind us. Um, and we're just so lucky to be having all the, all the people that we have um, on board with our, uh, our project. Um, and we're, we're starting rehearsals. Um, I don't know when this is going to air, but um, it's gonna, we're starting rehearsals on the 15th of February, and it's going to be so great to get, finally get in the room and um, play, play with these actors and, and ha have them discover um, the story and their characters um, through ensemble building, through different processes. And I'm just so excited to... Um, get that work started. Yeah, and I think you brought up one of the important things about it as well is that most theater is not independently done, especially in the city of Milwaukee. There are lots of small professional theaters that have funds and have a group of dedicated technicians and designers who work with them on their shows already. And this is a ground up production. This was just us with a show that we loved and with a small team of us that have enjoyed working together before. And so everyone who's come in on this project has just come in for the purpose of creating the love of this show. And that is really moving. Yeah. And, and, and thanks for mentioning that. I mean, I, you know, the independent component, you know, I do an independent uh, podcast here, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's a different animal. And, and I can and I, I hear, you know, the excitement and the, and the passion uh, for this project. And for me, that's always in my mind, that's that's the fuel for you to get over the, the hurdles of, man, I just uh, for a couple of these pieces, I wish I could just snap my fingers and get this person in place and that person in place and some resources. Um, so I know, you know, that's that's part of, of what you're trying, uh, what you're trying to do. Um I wanted to ask a little bit uh, about, you know, your, your experience there and talking about um, uh, the, the community and, and, and theater in your attempt to, to do this as an independent theater. I know, I personally know, uh, you know, Milwaukee and Milwaukee, uh, when you mention it nationwide, people aren't like, Oh, art scene or anything like that. There's still kind of like this in post-industrial thing in, in, in folks head or it's compared to Chicago, which you can't compare, but what is, what is what is what is what is the the theater environment? Can you take us into a, like a little bit of what the culture where this is coming out of um, in Southeast Wisconsin? Yeah, um, so Milwaukee is a vibrant theater city, and I think a lot of people lose it in the shadow of Chicago, given our proximity. But I'm pretty sure that if we were located further from Chicago on the physical map, that we wouldn't be considered our very own um, pillar of theater. Um, most of our theater, save for a couple of larger regional theaters, is small professional theaters. Um, traditionally, most of the theater houses that people are performing in have a capacity of 200 or less seats. 
So it is a theater city for creating intimate pieces. Um, and I think that that's the right place to do a show like this. It is about family intimacy and it's about, you know, being in the room when those kinds of arguments happen and those kinds of confrontations happen. Um, what else, Corey, what about your experience with the city? Oh yeah. Um, it is, it, it, like you said, it's, it's a very unique theater scene and um, it has its it has its challenges. It has its upsides, um, and I think one of the upsides is that because of how you know it's it's almost like a small town feel with the community. It's it's really like everybody kind of knows everybody or knows somebody who knows everybody. And that's really what's helped us along um, throughout the, the planning part of this process is like, oh, I know a person. I know a person who knows a person. I know a person who knows a person who could um, help us out. And um, kind of using resources, um, our resources here in Milwaukee, but also in Kenosha where we did our previous um, show together, um, it's like kind of these twin communities of, of wanting to create um, and doing what we can and scrapping by um, with what we can. And that's, I mean, that's the story of all the small theaters. We've, we've had a, a several of them close in the last few years and it's been really kind of devastating to young artists like us who that's where we're going to get our starts. That's where we're going to get, that's our bread and butter for, you know, the start of our careers. And, and so it's, it, it's hard um, when there's not those sort of spaces. So we, we tried to create a, a, a show or an experience where we could uh, young or underrepresented artists could um, have their voices heard. So. Yeah. And, and, uh, Kimberly and Corey, it's it's going to be great. I'm excited hearing about it um, it's, as it comes together. Um, uh, that, that's fantastic. Corey, I'm going to keep you on right now, and I'm going to jump to the conceptual question that I'll ask Kimberly afterwards. Uh, you put a, you're putting your time in this. You're trying to create. You're trying to create art. You're spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to do it. But what the heck is art? What is art? Okay. I've been thinking about this one since I found out about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> since so, I found out about the questions. <laughs> yeah, since I found out about the questions. Uh, so I was, uh, for my capstone, for my the, the last project I did in college, uh, I was part of this show called Jarman, uh, written by Caridad Savich. And it was about the life of this gay theater director, uh, Derek Jarman. Yeah. And he was this just incredible artist. Yeah. And one of the lines from the show was, some people say that Art and is, is an excuse for a drink. If you need a drink and you find yourself creating art instead, then you've stumbled onto something. Some people also say art is drink. I'm personally, I'm more in the second camp. I think art is drink. It sustains us. It's, I'm not going to, I will like go into a bit of hyperbole by saying it may be as important as drinking water to some people. Like people would not exist, certain people in this society, and I would say everybody would not exist without some sort of art or something to keep us going. Yeah. Um, so art, art is drink. Yeah. You know, and, and and I tell you, I don't. There's, I don't. I I think at this time, yeah, you, I'm prone to hyperbole, so I accept all hyperbole. But um, <laughs> you know, the thing, the 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 thing is, is when when the pandemic first came down, I I was you know, 
I'm doing a podcast. I was, I don't know, 20 or 30 episodes in. And then, uh, you know, pandemic started and I was like, shit, are we gonna all, all going to die? And why the hell am I talking about a painting on a wall? You know, and, and I was just, you know, just for a day or two. And then realizing like needing the water to drink like we all do in 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 understanding that not only at least in my opinion did did was art vital for survival it became more vital to show that there was i don't know something to connect with some sort of something beyond you know the the day-to-day um and and thank you uh cory mentioned derek jarman um uh He's a significant artist um, for me, and I've been very moved uh, by his by his many times eccentric and unique work. Um, I I just wanted to say, as far as Derek Jarman, um, I was very moved by his. He did videos for the Smiths, a uh, mm-hmm. very popular band, the Smiths, which you might be familiar with. Um, he also did independent his own independent film. He did a strange, strange film on one of the most important philosophers to me, Wittgenstein. Um, Yeah, which is a very odd film and very wonderful in a very strange way. And finally, uh, towards the end of his life, his paintings, um, as he had contracted AIDS and moved into painting, are just startling and 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 moving so um jarman is one for me that i've always been like rattled in a good way yeah and he went blind towards the end of his life so like that's another like somebody who is so like connected to art and like the visual experience going blind it's just like this this tragedy of of almost you know, ancient Greek proportions like that's, you you know, it's, it's really something his life and his experience and and just everything surrounding him is, is something special to me. Yeah. Okay. So Corey, Corey and I got the Derek Jarman love, uh, Kimberly over to you, uh, for, for the big one, you, uh, dedicate yourself to art and you, uh, keep busy. So what, what are you doing? Uh, what What is art? What are you dedicated towards? I think I thought about this an awful lot in 2020. Um, for me, art has always existed under the umbrella of theater specifically. Theater is my home. So I really think of art in terms of theater. And as a theater maker, we lost everything. And I went through so many waves of not knowing and having to analyze why we do what we do when it became so much harder to do what we do. And at first, when when the world was analyzing what is essential, and we weren't, you know, it made me wonder why the hell we do what we do. Why? Because, you know, if people can die and I can't be the one to save them, then what am I doing when I'm telling silly stories on stage, you know? And... Time went on and finally we began to innovate and do digital theater. And I will be the first to say, and probably not the last to say, that digital theater is not the same thing as theater on stage. It doesn't feel the same. It's not as great to look at, but we did it anyway. We created this theater that most of us objectively said, this isn't quite as awesome as what we could be doing, but we're doing this instead of doing nothing at all. Why? And then you talk to people again and you get them on screen and you're discussing what you create. And it became apparent that theater and art is connection in a way that nothing else is. Something about experiencing story and characters and whole lives together in community with one another is one of a kind. So I was already beginning to feel that connection again. And then we worked together, Corey and I, on Oedipus Rex this last summer, which was our first in-person production since the pandemic. It was the first one for that company. I know that it was my first full in-person production since the pandemic, since it was outdoors. Um, And the meaning of that community was everything. 
And it doesn't mean that those people are more special than other people. People are all wonderful, but being together and creating something can bond hearts together in a way that nothing else can. I, I remember I had seen a study once about if you get a whole audience of people in the theater and you're watching the play, that how many minutes in into seeing a live play do people's heartbeats sync up? And it's a thing. It's a real thing, you know? And so there wow. is a physical, social, emotional, mental connection that you can get through theater that isn't met by anything else. And without that, you know, people don't have much to live for. And that's that sounds dark. And I don't mean that without theater, there is no life. But without theater makers having theater, for us, it feels like there is no life because that is where we get the heartbeats with each other. That's where we live. Wow. I don't know what I should say <laughs> after that, but I, I got to I got to continue the interview. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I um, that you know, that that uh, that that is quite incredible. I found I one of the things as far as my discovery is, you know, I've worked as a labor organizer. And one of the things is I started the podcast. I've only identified as an artist for the last four years. Um, I'm 49. So in my mid 40s, I've always had an artistic bent, but creating the podcast, I started filming and started painting. But what I started to connect with is is the piece that's in there that you're talking about theater, which was basically organizing around arts. You know, I spent my life trying to like organize people and being like, your boss sucks. Let's do something about it, you know, and, and, you know, organize people around that and, you know, around art and the community of art and connecting people. And like you said, with the heartbeat, it's really, if not physically, the idea of organizing is, is to move towards that. So when we were talking about, uh, bef before we went on about how I got to you, it's an organizing like conversation because there's these connections that led me to be able to, to talk to you. And that's, for me, that's kind of like how you put things together as well, where you, you know, arts organizing, connecting people and connecting them around the project. And, um, it's like the water or the, the breathing or the, or the heart. It's that, it's that important. And I think it's important to say that out loud. I think we, a lot of times are reticent to do so and be like, it's this, this fucking important. It's this important. And um, for me in these times, that energy has helped me. Um, and, and I, I think I hear it fr from, from, from you as well. Um, okay. I think we might've hinted at some of the answers to this, but Kimberly, if you could continue about art itself, what is the role of art and has the role of art changed? Because for me, the world right now feels to me consistently radically different than it did two, three years ago to me and to, to many others. So what's, what's the role of art generally? What's the role of art right now? Yeah. So in theater circles, we often talk about, is this piece of theater to entertain or to educate? We, we break it down to such simple terms. And I think that that is such a disservice to what we create um, because theater is so much and art is so much. Um, so we already talked about how it is connection. Um, but I also think that it is the, I mean, I suppose this is an offshoot of connection, but it's how we empathize with one another and how we grow to understand one another because art has the capacity to communicate um, what we can't communicate so easily just by speaking it out. Some things have expressions that need to have visuals or need to have music or rhythm or meter behind it. Or for our purposes in theater, some things need to be told through another person's story for you to see how it is also your own story. Um, and so I think the role of art is to connect and to empathize. And I think now more than ever, we're focusing on um, more conscious connecting and empathizing with one another. You know, in the past few years, as we've watched Black Lives Matter take much of a greater stage in social commentary and how that's more um, 
more in the, it's a kitchen table conversation for a lot more people, but how do you give people the tools to discuss that comfortably? You do so through connecting and empathizing and seeing people's stories. And the same thing goes with in the story that we're telling, there is an LGBT story in there that for some of our audiences in Wisconsin, that story may be uncomfortable, but it's addressing things through empathy of what the parents are feeling and what the adult child is feeling and what that story looks like from both sides, you know? So I think understanding one another is most accomplished through art. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, Corey, the, the role of art generally in is, 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 is a little bit different now role of art. Yeah. Uh, like Kimberly said, um, Empathy is everything when it comes to art. Um, it's all about, you know, getting people to breathe, getting people to breathe together. You know, that's, um, you know, another thing on top of like the heartbeats um, is that the audience is breathing together and you're, you're hearing uh, the, the, someone's, when you're watching a play, you're hearing somebody's vocal cords vibrate and they're vibrating directly into your eardrums. So it's like that, just that connection of, of, of people and which is so vital and, and taken away, you know, over the past couple of years taken away from us, people have had to um, say goodbye to their loved ones over zoom and like, or, you know, um, go to graduations or important li- other important life events over Zoom, and it's uh, and it and it stripped away that connection, and I think truly revealed to a lot of people just how important um, you know breathing together, having your hearts beat together is, and um, and it's why we're in a society why we're together as people why we um are not all separate nomadic um tribes um constantly warring we we are collaborators the human race are collaborators we have our fights we have our disagreements um but um the role of art is to make make us empathize um with our fellow humans and that hasn't stopped uh, even in the last couple of years with the pandemic. There's such a power to that and like the prominence of, you know, what's needed through through the art experience. Like I was I've been complaining recently, uh, you know, like one of my big things that I haven't been able to do. And I've, I've caught a couple of them. But for me, I'm a big uh, doom metal fan and metal is metal's huge up in up in portland and in in oregon and there's a small community there and you know i can tell you like folks who go to these small shows they're they're cheap they're dedicated fans and you know we love doom metal and it was like that kind of like music church it was very clear like you know it was very clear because people would connect they groove they'd get into it metal you can get some of that shit out in your head the squirrels in your head you can move around and you know there's a big there's a big piece to whatever that experience is whether it's from the stage those are performing those in the audience or even the movie theater you know sitting down at the movie theater being like look at this great you know look at this great film that we're watching together at the art museum so you know things like that um so I really appreciate you like putting that the prominence in the like the, the the empathy or the you know when there isn't that connection the problems we have right like we don't have that common experience of like being around strangers doing something that's really good and cool if you don't have that experience then those strangers you know could become enemies right because you don't know them you haven't sat with them and uh I believe that some of the strains that you've pointed out are are just really apparent if, if we don't have that experience. But 
folks will have that experience in yes. HR with things I know to be true. So <laughs> that is, yeah. uh, that, that is, that, that's, that's wonderful that that will be there. Um, I think it's so cool that you mention it as music church when you go and see a concert. Cause this was something that I was thinking about earlier in our discussion. Um, when things closed in the pandemic, one of the things I found most upsetting was we had a local venue. It was called the underground collaborative. And it was an affordable venue where a lot of small theaters could perform. And I cried when that venue closed. That broke my heart. Yeah. And I wondered why. I thought that's the building. But similar to a lot of the rhetoric around religion where they say, oh, well, church is a building, but spirituality exists beyond that building. It cannot be held only within that building. I think of the theater as it's a building within which we can have the experience of theater but then theater itself is so much bigger than the theater, the building of the theater, you know? So I, I like that that kind of crosses into all the yeah. worlds of art. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, and it, it, like I said, it's, it's, it's felt like that to me. And part of it too is I think I might've arrived at that realization because a good friend of mine who would go to many shows with me is a deeply religious Orthodox Christian dude who is the biggest doom metal fan in, in, in the universe. So I think those connections were easier for me to make. I like, I know what he's driving at and here I am. Right. I'm driving at the same thing. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I've asked some, some big questions. I do have a couple big questions. Um, and one is kind of going back a little bit again, just kind of open it up is uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, Corey, uh, what or who made you who you are? Oh man. Uh, that's, uh, do you have like 10 days? Um, yeah, the, the, the pod, I, I have to grant the podcast over to my guests. Guests have great license in this. Otherwise, uh, it ain't going to work for me. So you have license. <laughs> oh, man. Um, where do I start and how do I not leave anybody out? Um, gosh, I've been influenced by so many people. Like, I think you're at least a little bit influenced by every person you encounter bad or good um, because it kind of nudges your boat one direction or another. Um, I could talk about like famous influences. I could talk for like, so I, man, I just, I love so many different things um, in art and like I I'm a big music listener. I'm a, like I love like visual art, dance, like I, I any type of well, art Corey, really kind of Well, Corey, like on this uh, music music lover, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with music. Who 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 are the artists you'd fight to death for? My favorite band is the 1975. I love the 1975. They are like fantastic, um, fantastic artists. My idol of all time is Elvis Presley. I love Elvis so much. Like that was probably actually, now that we think about it, that was probably the birth of the artist. In eighth grade, I was in a play and I played an Elvis impersonator. And I think I was hooked ever since then. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Otis Redding. I have a I have a soapbox about Otis Redding, and he is such an influential artist. Um, and I'm so passionate about his music. He died. I am the same age right now. I'm 26. I'm the same age he was when he died. And that is, oh gosh, just like, I didn't realize it was 26. Wow. Okay. I know. Which with such a like soulful, like incredible voice. And he was only 26 and he, um, 
and he passed away. He, he died in a plane crash in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and he's like left out of the conversation because he died before he was 27. He's left out of the conversation of like the 27 club. And I think he's the, the one artist that if I could like bring back to life or extend his career in some way, I would. Yeah. Yeah. And ha- I, I recall, and I, I know that um, there's an Otis Redding bench over in Madison by the lake where the plane crashed. Um, that's a kind of memorial to him. But yeah, I was I hadn't heard the age in a, in, in a while, Corey. I hadn't thought about that in a while. And if you look at the repertoire and the like, I think you pointed to like the deep maturity soul something beyond that that was in him it messes your head up because you're like what <laughs> how how do how? how do i tap into some like that some sort of godly talent like that but yeah well geez well Corey goes for the for for, for the big ones uh that's no that's uh thinking about otis and and and, and elvis presley and Corey, I don't know you. You could pull it off. I, I could see you as Elvis, and I'm, I'm sure you do it here and there. Um. <laughs> oh, Christmas yes. I was able to get performance on this podcast, oh. and I knew I would because I had both of you, and I was able to get oh, it. <laughs> incredible, Kimberly. Uh, oh. Kimberly, uh, who who or what uh, made you? who you are. You know, I'm going to take this in a different direction because I have so many artistic influences. I wouldn't know where to start. Um, and you know, they're the obvious people in my personal life. Like I am privileged to have a really supportive family and all of them have been really wonderful in my entire artistic career and really involved. Um, but I think that a huge turning point in who I am and what drives my art was a professor I had my freshman year of college. Her name is Dr. Jill Budney, and she is a professor of politics in the Honors College at UW-Milwaukee. And so that was a class I took. It was left, right, and center, and it was about understanding where politics comes from and reading the writings that a lot of the current political groups are founded upon, and then really studying our city of Milwaukee in that context And that opened my eyes in a whole ton of new ways because I always felt that I had a heart for my city, but in a very passive way, coming from a place of serious privilege in my life, I didn't need to think about it in in an all too critical manner. And then taking that class had me looking at my city in a lens that I never had before and experiencing... um, my walk through Milwaukee, recognizing my own privilege. And that changed everything I believe in. And now my art is very justice centered and it's about representing and lifting up underrepresented voices and serving arts to underserved communities and finding ways to get the resources to underserved communities so that they can create their own arts and we don't need to be speaking over them. Um, And that's become the driving force behind most of what I do. And everything I create somehow wraps back around to that. So, so much of who I am is defined by how that professor was able to take me as I was and invite me in on this walk that led me to understanding where I exist in this world in the grand scheme of things and what I can do with the position that I've been given. Yeah. And I, I think there's such a, a power to that, you know, um, the, the influence, you know, I, I went, I went to, to, to college and, you know, I got advanced uh, degrees and I was also very sensitive and very curious. So I can even say that that influence goes beyond because this show this show stems from a class that I took in 1994 with a professor named Cheryl Foster, Dr. Cheryl Foster. And the questions I'm asking here, we didn't cover all these. It wasn't in this format, but in 1994, I was 
excited about these questions. I was excited about using these questions for a piece of art. Um, we studied the silence of the lambs. We uh, Saturday night fever. It was low art, uh, high art, popular art, and um, and so what's what's interesting is is the influence that you know those questions or that interrogation you know from 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 teachers, and you both teach you know like that what that can do and how it can stick. So those questions you know from like. I don't even know how long ago that was, you know, 28 years ago for me, you know, and I'm on doing this podcast. The thread of this podcast goes all the way back uh, to there. If you're sensitive and curious to, you know, uh, the questions that people are asking you or challenging you with and, uh, the, you know, there can be some deep and profound change, uh, you know, through that. Um, it's great to hear about your experience, though, there, Kimberly, and learning about. Milwaukee is such a complicated, difficult, yes. and almost impossible city to deal with um, sometimes with um, its rugged history uh, around the issues that you bring up. Um, it has an ugly history, uh, for sure. And we have the opportunity to do something about it or to create art without heart. And I couldn't possibly go back to creating art without heart. Couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. That is, yeah, that, that's, that's just wonderful. Um, okay. The titular, uh, question of, of, of the podcast. Um, so, uh, uh, Kimberly, uh, the question is why is there something, uh, uh, rather than nothing There doesn't have to be something, there doesn't have to be nothing. But I also asked the question in a creative way, too, uh, that you could answer it as is, you know, when you create, is, is that coming from something or is it coming from nothing? The main question is, why is there something rather than nothing? I think that theater is definitely a something. Theater is not a nothing. Uh, gosh, why? what would I be doing here if theater was a nothing to me? But I think that it's always come out of nothingness because people are drawn to move and to speak and to sing and to create. And they have been since the beginning of time. You can trace back theater as a practice to the earliest civilizations that have been recorded. Everyone always lands back here. And so in a modern day where I'm not answering the same questions as they were grappling with then, some of which are the same, but a lot of those are questions that, you know, our sciences have come to understand in a different light. I'm still creating something out of the nothingness that is wondering. There are so many questions that you can come up with any day, and especially in the light of the pandemic. You know, a lot of us have called into question our own space on this earth and our own purpose that we serve and, you know, where it all goes. And these are huge things to be grappling with, but I think that out of that nothingness that is the constant void of questions and falling into existential dread and all of those awful things, you can come together and grapple with it in community. And that's where the something comes from, is it's coming together with other people grappling with the same questions and issues and choosing to face it head on together through creation and that, to me, is something out of nothingness. And it sure is a better something than dwelling in the nothing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Corey, the big one. Okay. Uh, the something is that unseen force that draws you out of, drags you out of bed each morning to face the day. Uh, the something kind of pushes you, guides you, um, unseen. So it's it's a it's a bit of a something and a nothing. It's a nothing because you can't like you can't measure it. You can't put it like you can't put it in a, any sort of box. It's but it's there, and you feel it even if you don't know it. The something the the something is the passion that drives you on that helps you create that um takes you 
takes you far um, and and pulls you back in when when it's time to go home. Like it's it's the driving force th- for all artists. It's um, it's the muses. It's the it's 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 what puts it. It's what we are put here to do and be. It's it's our it's our driving force. No, I'm really, I'm really vibing with you. I'm really vibing with you there, Corey. Yeah, the, the that 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 pulls us along, and that is so deeply connected to creativity. I think it's a, uh, kind of like origin question, but it's a creativity question. I, I think it's like you know why why we do these things, and and I appreciate both of you, you know, doing what you do. But let's uh, um uh, before we let you go, I want you to promote the hell out of things I know to be true, like tell and, and and here's here's the task you know for for both of you what i would like um you, look this is this is the the little engine that could right independent theater it's a lot of work it's a lot of late nights so um tell folks you know when it is and 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 the where and how they can support it if they can support it but also for each of you too uh, how can people connect with the play or with your creations or anything you'd like to share along those lines? And um, uh, uh, Kimberly, could you go ahead? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you're looking to find us and this show, you can go on Facebook and search Things I Know MKE or Things I Know To Be True, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We should come up either way. Uh, so there's a Facebook page for us. And of course, we would love to have if anyone is in the Midwest and wants to come see the show. It is one weekend only. It is April 8th through 10th at Interchange Theater Co-op, which is in Milwaukee near the Marquette campus. So you can find all that information and the ticketing links and the venue and all that good stuff on that Facebook page. Um, and if you aren't from our area and you want to connect with us, First, I'll be the one to speak for both of us and say that Corey and I are both networkers and we love to connect with other artists. So please, you can find us online. Look us up. Find us. Please reach out, connect. Uh, We love collaborating. But then in addition, uh, if you're particularly moved by the project of Things I Know to be True and are interested in contributing to that, either financially or by some other donation, please reach out. We do have uh, on our Facebook page, we have a GoFundMe page that you could contribute to if you felt so moved. Um, or if you had something else that you wanted to do as a part of the production, like I said, it's it's us. We are a small team and we're doing this from the ground up. So any collaboration and connection that you're looking to have with us, reach out. We want to talk. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Corey, uh, comments about uh, ways to support or connecting to your creations? Kimberly got every single, checked every box, <laughs> got it all. I, uh, I, I have the sense, uh, and I understand what you're saying, I have the sense that uh, if I was around Kimberly and she covered that, I'd be like, Check with her. She she covered it. She got it all. And that's why we're working together, is because she's she's good at that sort of thing. It's uh, she's so is such a strong organizer of this project, and and it's been wonderful working with her, not only yeah. uh, in the process and but uh, in our previous show as well. Yeah, no, that's it's it's fantastic. Um, I encourage all listeners to you know to 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 check it out and support it. I'm going to support uh, the show. Um. And, uh, you know, for folks, uh, April starts to warm up a little bit if people are traveling a little bit. There's no guarantees, no guarantees of, of but um, for everybody uh, in, 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 the, in the region, check out the show. Support independent theater, support uh, independent uh, voices, support this great story um that uh that uh Corey and, and Kimberly are working on because uh you it's just this is what we need I mean that's the glue I think that's the glue we've been talking about uh f- for this you know for this entire time um uh I want to thank you both for for coming on the show I uh, I mean, I, there's a lot that I'm thinking about, which is why that I do this show, because it's really stimulating to me. And I love talking art and other artists. And um, 
you know, I never know what artist or what conversation is going to happen. Yesterday or recently, I was interviewing a University of Oregon history professor, and we we ended up talking about the painter Francis Bacon. And I, you know, it's completely unexpected. And, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, Derek Jarman and, uh, you know, just we don't know until we start to to connect. And so we have the open space to like talk arty. And then we start to we start to have we start to have fun. Um, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm very excited uh, for your show. I'm excited that we'd be able to to, to chat right now. I want to thank both of you um, for coming on to something rather than nothing and um, uh, talking about art and, and talking about these big questions. Um, it's been a great pleasure. And uh, I was just wondering if you had any uh, final words uh, for listeners. Uh, Kimberly. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having us on, Ken. It's just been such a joy to hash through the crazy thoughts that we as artists are always fighting in our own brains out loud with other artist types. <laughs> um, and to anyone who's listening who identifies as an artist, I just hope that you keep keep fighting that fight and keep making what you make. And you'll wonder why you do it some days and other days you'll remember and it'll all be worth it. And uh, Corey, any final words and favorite Elvis song? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's been a real pleasure uh, talking with you today, and uh, I'm so glad we had that connection on Derek Jarman. It's it, that's been a very special thing in my life, and I just want to reiterate: you know, art is drink. Go go uh, quench your thirst. Um, favorite Elvis song? Are you lonesome tonight? Are you lonesome tonight? Do you miss me tonight? Love it. All right. Incredible. Uh, it's great talking with uh, great talking with artists. Um, uh, best of luck. Uh, break a leg on the show. Um, and I'm sure I will be, and many listeners will be following closely both your individual processes, uh, artists, but this great production uh, that you're doing. Um, thanks for coming on the show and have a great day. This is Something Rather Than Nothing 